Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. How the tech are ya? We are continuing our look back over some of the biggest tech stories of 2022. On Monday, we talked about how governments and regulators around the world are starting to push back on big tech. Yesterday, we talked about the crypto winter and how that has affected everything from NFTs to Web3 hype. And today, we're primarily, almost exclusively, going to talk about Meta's very bad 2022. Uh, But let's start off by talking about where Meta was coming into 2022, which means we got to talk a little bit about 2021. Now, it was in the springtime of 2021 when Apple would deliver what would ultimately become a massive blow to Facebook, which is what Meta was called back then. And this was in the form of Apple's App Tracking Transparency, or ATT policy. So before this feature was implemented, app developers could potentially gather data about an iOS user's activity on their phone, all by tracking Apple's IDFA identifier. That's an identification that's unique to each iOS user. And you could track what they were doing, how they were behaving on the phone, and use that information, right? But once the ATT feature went live, iOS device owners would get a prompt when they were launching an app that was wanting to track their activity. And they would be given the option to allow that app to track them or to opt out. Once folks had the option to opt out, a lot of them began to take it. 
by the way, Apple does not necessarily have to worry about adhering to this the same way that other developers do on iOS devices, which has led a lot of companies, including Meta, to accuse Apple of specifically launching this feature in order to hurt other companies while not suffering itself. But that's a matter for another episode. Anyway, Apple's move was a big blow to Facebook because ultimately Facebook, the company, relies upon advertising revenue as the prime source of revenue for its business. And advertisers would pay top dollar to access Facebook's incredibly thorough databases on user activities and behaviors and profiles and and such. So that user information would provide a chance to target those users for ads with incredible precision. But once Apple starts giving iOS users a chance to opt out of tracking, that cuts off the flow of some of that precious data to Facebook. And that would go on to play a big part in Meta's financial performance in 2022. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, it feels like it was an eternity ago when Facebook officially changed its name to Meta, but that was actually on October 28th, 2021. So a little more than a year ago as I record this episode. Facebook made that move at a pretty tumultuous time. Uh, This would be after Francis Hogan, a former Facebook employee, had come forward with tons of documents from Facebook. These documents showed how internally the company was struggling with problems like content moderation and managing misinformation and things like, like, political manipulation, stuff like that. So these documents painted a pretty ugly and cynical picture of the company from within. And the timing of Facebook's name change left some folks wondering if maybe Mark Zuckerberg was trying, at least in part, to shrug off some of the the dirt being heaped his way in the wake of these these, uh, revelations. Now, the official reasons for the name change were really number one to distinguish the overall company from one of its products. So in other words, the difference between Facebook, the company and Facebook, the platform. So this way you now have meta, the company and Facebook, the platform, because that's just one of the company's products, right? Two, it was a way to indicate the company's new focus toward this idea of the metaverse and that being the future of being online. Now, toward the end of 2021, this metaverse concept was really at at the height of the hype cycle, despite the fact that no one could really define what the metaverse was because it has not yet been built. So the general feeling was that the metaverse is going to be some sort of persistent online construct that people will be able to explore Uh, They'll probably be using virtual reality and or augmented reality gear to access it. And that's kind of the high level concept. But when it comes down to details, everything gets really fuzzy because we're just not there yet. In fact, we're not even close. And Mark Zuckerberg has said as much repeatedly. It's going to take years to get to a destination that will match up to the metaverse concept. We've got a lot of like metaverse adjacent stuff. People have argued that Fortnite or Roblox represent a kind of 
proto metaverse. And in a very limited way, I suppose that's true, but it's nowhere close to the scale of what people are talking about when they're really talking about the metaverse. So anyway, this is kind of where Meta slash Facebook was when it was heading into 2022. As the company started the year, its stock price was around the $330 a share mark. But in February of 2022, we heard about how the final quarter of 2021 had treated Meta and the news wasn't good. So this was regarding Meta's financial performance at the end of 2021 but we didn't learn about it till February 2022. So for one thing, the effects of Apple's app tracking transparency policy were starting to become evident. Everyone knew that was going to have an effect, but now we were starting to see. And the company referenced the policy a few times while delivering the earnings results to investors, saying, you know, part of this is because Apple has fired shots at us. Now, in that same call, Sheryl Sandberg, who at the time was... Meta's chief operating officer, or COO, acknowledged that the company was going to need to make some significant changes to its targeted advertising strategy, perhaps shifting to approaches that emphasize aggregate and anonymized data, as competitors and regulators alike were pushing back against the, you know, more established method of just scooping up all the information you can about every specific person you can. So it looked like Meta was acknowledging this is an unsustainable approach because there's growing resistance around the world and competitors are actively taking advantage by throwing monkey wrenches into the works like Apple was. So they're saying, well, we need to change our strategy because one, this is not really palatable. We're getting into more and more hot water from the way we're collecting people's data. And two, Companies we depend upon to supply us information have gotten wise and they're cutting off those avenues. So that's kind of what she was indicating. Then there was the matter of Meta's commitment to developing the metaverse. Uh, Zuckerberg had tried to get ahead of this toward the end of 2021. He indicated that building this vision of the future of the online world is going to require massive investments and that this investment was going to eat into profits as a result. But I think investors were still taken aback when they saw a decline in profits in the Q4 2021 results. Because here's the thing. Investors really like seeing certain numbers go up and not go down. So it's not enough for your company to make a profit. That's not good enough. You got to make more profit than you did the last time you made a profit. Otherwise, you're a loser. And as I get older, yes, I get more and more bitter about our peculiar approach to capitalism. Or maybe maybe it's not our peculiar approach. Maybe this is just where capitalism ultimately leads. But anyway, I think, you know, this, this belief that it's not enough to profit, you have to profit more than you did before, is inherently destructive over time. Anyway, enough of my soapboxing. The decline in profitability sent a couple of messages to investors, and one was that Meta, for at least the near future, is itself going to be in investment mode in order to make this vision of the metaverse become a reality. This is a future that a ton of companies were already starting to glom onto, despite the fact that there's not much there there. 
And my own company does this, at least to an extent. And I do understand it. Even if I don't fully like get on board with it, I understand it. If the metaverse ends up being the future of the internet, which is a big if, but if it does, then you want to be in on the ground floor. Because back when smartphones took off and people began to access the internet more and more using smartphones than they were on laptops and desktops, that really shook things up because suddenly all these companies realized they needed to cater more toward smartphone users than desktop users. And this is where we started to see an explosion in app development because everybody had to have their own app, even if it didn't make sense. Uh, everyone had to... to uh, to create websites that were mobile friendly because otherwise it was a a pain in the butt to navigate these websites on your smartphone. So a lot of web-based companies had not anticipated this change and it meant that they were left playing catch up when it happened. So I do understand the desire to not let that happen again and instead to be a leader in the metaverse space rather than to you know, hold back and then find out that you're left behind. You have to try and regain relevancy later on. The only problem is I'm not really sure that the metaverse is actually the future of online. That being said, I could just be short-sighted and that, you know, I'm the one who's totally in the wrong here. It's, it's fully possible. In fact, it's likely that that's the case. I just, it's hard for me to see it. Anyway, Another bit of news that shed some light on Zuckerberg's hard push for the metaverse was that for the first time in its 18 years as a platform, Facebook posted a loss of active users quarter to quarter. At the end of 2021, the number of active users on Facebook was down by about half a million people, a lot of them in places like Africa and India. Now, keep in mind, Facebook still had more than 1.9 billion active users, but there was a concern that this drop might indicate the beginning of a slide for Facebook. Uh, And I'm sure several of you out there are saying the same thing I said when I first read this, is that one point of data is not a trend. Yes, you know, it's not good to have lost a half million users over the course of a quarter, but you can't be certain that this is the start of something from one point of data. However, that doesn't stop investors from doing just that. So it's also no secret. <laughs> In fact, it's a, it's, it's a joke. It's a meme that Facebook's demographic is aging, that the company is having a real hard time attracting younger people to its platforms, particularly Facebook, because who the heck wants to join a social network when they're a kid that their parents are already on, or maybe even their grandparents are on it. That's not really cool if you're a kid, right? You don't want to be where all the old people are. Meta needed to get young blood hooked on its platforms, which is one of the reasons I think that Instagram really started to launch features that appeared to mimic what TikTok was doing. So you could see the metaverse as another way to try and scoop up the next generation of users. So it might be a hard sell to get the younger folks of today on Facebook. That's going to be hard to do because Facebook is just not cool. 
Instagram might be a little more successful, but it looks like it's following the same trends as Facebook. At one point, Meta was developing an Instagram specifically for younger users, but in the wake of those whistleblower events and at the end of 2021, the company had to backtrack on that because uh, they have a pretty terrible record when it comes to things like content moderation and user privacy and safety. And when it comes to kids, people take that stuff seriously. So Meta's plan to try and tap into that young customer market was waylaid quite a bit. And it was through all fault of its own. So you have to then go out there and invent the next big thing to get ahead of it, right? Like the ship has already sailed on TikTok, unless TikTok gets banned in the United States, which we'll talk about in another episode. But unless that happens, then the only course open to Meta is to invent the next big thing. So the metaverse might well be Mark Zuckerberg's Hail Mary pass to keep his company relevant over the long run. All right, we've got a lot more to say about Meta in 2022, but before we get to that, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. We're back. 
So while Zuckerberg is trying to create this metaverse, that dedication is costing a lot of money. And the company also has showed its hand when it updated its revenue projections for the first quarter of 2022. Wall Street had previously predicted revenue of around $30 billion for Q1-22 uh, of... Uh, of Meta, but Meta's projections fell short. It was more like 27 to 29 billion. So this was also a, a message sent to investors of things are not going to be quite as positive as you might have previously thought. The decrease in profits, the increase in expenditures, the loss of half a million Facebook users, collectively all this news gave investors bad mojo, and in aftermarket trading in the wake of this earnings call, Meta's stock prices dropped from around $323 a share to $252 a share. That's a huge drop, and things would not really improve over the course of the year. As I record this episode, Meta's stock is at around $117 a share. In fact, it dropped below $117 at one point while I was writing this. So yeah, if you started off in the 330s and now you're down to $117, things have not gone well. Uh, but it has been a more gradual decline through 2022. We saw that sharp drop in February after the Q1 earnings call, or Q4 earnings call, excuse me. Uh, but since then, it's been more of a gradual decline. and. There was one point in November where the stock price actually dipped below $90. So it's not as bad as it was back in November, which I guess is saying something. Now, one thing that Meta could not have predicted, you cannot blame the company for this, but it is something that very much has had an impact on the company happened in late February 2022. That's when Russia invaded Ukraine. Now, I'm sure that I'll at least mention this war in other episodes in this series as we look back at the tech news of 2022. Now, in March 2022, Russia's federal regulator uh, Roskomnadzor, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, shut down access to Facebook within Russia. So this was part of Russia, or at least the government of Russia, attempting to control the narrative with regards to the war in Ukraine, which the Russian government was insisting was just a quote-unquote special military operation at the time. They would then go on to subsequently block Instagram in Russia, which was yet another blow to Meta. Uh, Russian representatives called Facebook and Instagram extremist, which the company appealed in June of 2022. It lost that appeal. That is not really a surprise because the Russian court system typically sides with government prosecutors in court cases. Big shock there. And Meta missed a subsequent deadline in November to appeal the ban a second time. As a little side note, Russian reps said that Russians who accessed the platforms by relying on tools like virtual private networks or VPNs would not be punished for doing that. However, Russia had also already restricted the use of several popular VPNs within the country. And in 2022, even Kaspersky, which itself is a Russian company, announced that it was going to end its VPN service within Russia. It would honor any existing subscriptions until they expire or until the end of 2023. So yeah, you know, Russia is really cracking down on people having a way of uh, accessing or expressing information that might 
contradict the the government narrative around Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Anyway, the loss of the Russian market obviously would impact Meta's revenue. And of course, that wasn't the only aspect of Russia's war with Ukraine that would have an impact on the company. As you might suspect, Facebook would have to deal with various misinformation campaigns aimed at spreading false news about the ongoing war. In September of 2022, Meta announced it had shut down two networks of fake accounts designed to spread misinformation. One of them, the smaller of the two, originated in China, and the other in Russia. The Chinese network, like I said, was relatively small, and it was mostly aimed at influencing midterm elections, which had really no measurable impact, I think. The Russian campaign was far larger, and Meta said that the campaign had spent more than 100000 bucks on ads, both on Facebook and on Instagram, in an effort to push pro-Kremlin stories regarding the war in Ukraine. Uh, so they shut those down. So again, that war continues to have an impact on Meta, as well as numerous other tech companies. Now moving on with Meta's very bad year. Its earnings call in Q1 met the adjusted projections Meta had made because the company brought in $27.9 billion in revenue. So it sort of hit the middle of the range it had predicted. It said 27 to 29. It got 27.9. Uh, ad revenues were slightly down, but the company did say that more users had joined across all platforms owned by the company, so it was not showing a continued loss of Facebook users. So again, there was no trend there. However, in July, the company reported a decline in revenue. It was just a 1% drop year over year of a decline in revenue, but that was the first time Meta had ever posted a drop in revenue since it had become a publicly traded company. Profits were down significantly more than 1%. It was, in fact, down by 36% year over year. But again, this is understandable when you start thinking about the ongoing huge expense of trying to make the metaverse happen, which is, you know, kind of giving me Mean Girls vibes. Stop trying to make the metaverse happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, note, I do not actually know if the metaverse will, in fact, not happen. It probably will, and I'll probably be salty about it. Now, by this point in the year, the world in general was gearing up for economic uncertainty. Like, they, there had been talk about this since the spring, right? There have been various people in finance and business who were starting to recognize troubling signs ahead. And whether you wanted to call it a recession or not is up to you. At this point, I don't even understand what the qualifications are to call something a recession. But by the middle of spring and then into the summer, it was more and more obvious that economic belts were going to have to start tightening, and it would be no different for tech companies in general and Meta in particular. In the summer, The Verge published a piece that cited a recording of Mark Zuckerberg saying, quote, realistically, there are probably a bunch of people at the company who shouldn't be here, end quote suggesting that maybe Meta was overstaffed, that they had more employees than they had work to do, and thus were being inefficient. Around this time, we were starting to hear the about tech companies at least easing off the gas pedal when it comes to staffing. 
Uh, it wouldn't be much longer before we'd started hearing about hiring freezes at Meta and at other companies. We started hearing about Meta in particular, but other companies too, increasing employee standards in an effort to kind of downsize and only keep the best workers. And then eventually we started hearing about layoffs. Now, again, this is not a problem that was unique to Meta in 2022. A lot of companies in the tech space and outside of it were going through similar stages. But Meta, being a huge company, had a lot of folks on the payroll. And in November 2022, Zuckerberg laid out his plan to reduce headcount by 13%, which translates to more than 11,000 employees. That is a lot of people. Now, one person who left Meta did so back in June. And in this case, it wasn't that she was laid off. She chose to resign. That person was Sheryl Sandberg the former Chief Operating Officer, or COO. She had worked at Meta slash Facebook for 14 years. She was instrumental in how the company grew and developed over those 14 years. But according to the rumor mill, things had been taking kind of a bad turn for Sandberg over the last couple of years. There were stories that she and Mark Zuckerberg were increasingly at odds over company strategy, and that the teams that she was managing were being shifted around or reduced in size, so she was given less and less to do. It kind of reminds me, actually, of what happened to Steve Jobs in the 80s when uh, they brought in a, a new CEO. Steve Jobs was kind of moved off to the side of Apple, and depending upon which version of the story you hear, he either left in protest or was effectively fired. But either way, he had already been given the message loud and clear that the company didn't want him or the new leadership of the company did not want him. Now, Sandberg's reputation, as I said, was tightly tied to Facebook's enormous growth over the last 14 years. Like this is a company that at, at certain points is boasted at having over 2 billion users for just one of its platforms that being Facebook. Her focus on ad revenue likewise had become a core Facebook feature, but this focus on growth was kind of a double-edged sword. You know, some people saw it as a huge positive because for a long time, it was netting investors lots and lots of returns on their investment, at least until things started to turn against the company. But others saw her as valuing growth over everything else and that this, in turn, would set up Meta slash Facebook for some of the big problems that it faces today regarding issues like content moderation and, you know, regulatory agencies butting in on Meta's operations. So it, it goes both ways. And Sandberg was leaving the company just as the business world was really starting to get a bit concerned about where things were headed economically. One thing that anyone in the ad business can tell you is that when things start getting tight, Marketing budgets frequently are one of the earliest ones to get scaled back, and they typically get smaller until things improve. And for a company like Meta, ad revenues are the chief source of income. So the company was already struggling because of the blow that was dealt by Apple. It was having the issues because of these increased expenditures in developing the metaverse. And now it was looking at the potential of advertising companies decreasing their marketing budgets, which means fewer customers for 
Facebook. Remember, like Facebook and Instagram, we aren't the customers. We're the product. The customers are advertisers, and what they're buying is access to us. So that's when I talk about Facebook having fewer customers. It's because all these companies are cutting back on their advertising budgets. Meanwhile, Meta was also facing a lawsuit from the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, accusing the company of practicing a buy or bury approach to competition, which means that they were saying Meta's approach to competition is to either buy up a rising competitor before it's a real threat, or attempting to squish a competitor out of existence, maybe by mimicking the competitor's own products. And I think that's pretty darn fair to say that Meta has been doing that for like all of its existence, pretty much. The FTC would also get involved in an effort to try and block Meta from acquiring a VR company called Within Unlimited Incorporated. I talked about it a little bit on Monday. Uh, That company makes a VR fitness app called Supernatural. That particular story is still unfolding as we end out 2022. So uh, still no word yet on whether or not the FTC's lawsuit to block that acquisition will actually be successful. Uh, The FTC has refined its lawsuit to make it a little more specific. But yeah, we still haven't got to the end of that story yet. Okay, but let's talk about VR for a little bit with regard to meta. So VR, or virtual reality, it's been a developing technology since the late 1980s, at least, at least as far as the general public has been aware of it. There was a brief hype cycle around VR in the 90s, but that deflated pretty rapidly once people saw the limitations of the technology at that time. So back then, your typical VR headset was massive and it was heavy and it had to be suspended from like a frame by cables in order to support the weight because it would be too heavy for someone to just wear for any length of time. Uh, Graphics were really primitive because we just didn't have the processing power to handle something more sophisticated. And folks got disenchanted with what VR was compared to what it was promised to be. Thus, interest faded in VR in the 90s. And as a result, the people who had been working on the technology to turn VR into RR by what, which I mean to make VR a real reality, found themselves either with reduced budgets or completely out of a job. And it took years before folks in general were ready to entertain the idea of VR again. Development didn't stop, but it was severely hampered. Then you get eventually to the arrival of the Oculus VR headset and things began to change. Uh, The Oculus was relatively lightweight compared to earlier VR headsets. Processing capabilities were much better because you could pair the Oculus with a a significantly powerful computer and thus take advantage of that computer's abilities and the headset would just act as kind of an interactive display. Um, And then it looked like VR might actually stand a chance of catching on at least a little bit. Meta, which at the time was just Facebook, purchased Oculus in 2014. Uh, That story is complicated in its own right. It doesn't really matter for our episode here. So we're going to skip ahead a bit. In October 2020, Meta uh, would release a pair of headsets called the Oculus Quest 2. As you might guess, this was a follow-up to an earlier Oculus Quest. When Facebook rebranded into Meta in 2021, 
The Quest 2 also got a rebrand. It dropped the word Oculus entirely. Now it's the Meta Quest 2. Well, when the company launched those headsets back in 2020, there was a 64 gigabyte version, which sold for $299, and a 256 gigabyte version for $399. In 2021, Facebook phased out the 64 gigabyte model, replaced it with a 128 gigabyte model, but kept the price point at $299. Now skip ahead again to this year, 2022. Over the summer, Mark Zuckerberg announced that the company was going to increase the price of the two Oculus 2 models by $100 each. Nothing else changed. So the headsets didn't get more features. They didn't become more powerful. They didn't introduce models with more storage. They did not provide more immersive experiences. Someone who bought a base Oculus, well, in this case, Meta Quest 2 at the end of July would pay $299 for it. Someone who bought one in the beginning of August would buy it for $399, and there would be no difference between the two headsets besides that price tag. Uh, and obviously, if you were to buy a 256 gigabyte version, then it would set you back $499. Zuckerberg tweeted that this was done, quote, in order to continue investing in moving the VR industry forward for the long term, end quote. We'll talk more about that strategy after we come back from this quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Okay, so this past year, Meta increases the cost of the Meta Quest 2 headset. It is not often that a company will actually boost the price of a tech product, particularly a tech product that's debuted nearly two years earlier. And just as a side observation, any version of the metaverse that is going to feature VR exclusively or extensively is also going to have to solve the problem of making VR equipment accessible and affordable and attainable. So one of the big advantages Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp have is that these are all products that are accessible on mobile devices. And these devices aren't necessarily super expensive. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. You don't have to get a flagship phone model if you don't want to, but I bet you can run Facebook on it if it's a smartphone. So these are affordable, portable devices. And most importantly, in my opinion, you don't have to wear them on your face if you don't want to. VR is a tougher sell. It's harder to see the value of VR unless you try it out for yourself. And in the process of trying it out, you might encounter issues like motion sickness. Some people are more prone to it than others. I am extremely prone to it. Didn't used to be, but as I get older, I fall victim to motion sickness more and more frequently. So I think there's always going to be a smaller market for VR and probably AR too, at least in headset formats. It is an expensive peripheral. It has limited use cases. So making it more expensive is a tough measure. It's a, and it's, it's a hard thing to tell potential customers, right? Like people who might've been looking into VR and you tell them, oh, well, this thing now costs $100 more than it used to, but it doesn't do anything more than it did before we hiked up the price. That doesn't necessarily go over well. But we're not done yet. Meta also introduced a new VR headset model this past year, the Quest Pro. Zuckerberg unveiled this in October 2022, and this headset is meant to show off how VR headsets could potentially be used in settings outside of your typical VR experience and VR games. It's meant in part to open business owners' eyes to the potential use of VR in professional settings. This headset costs a hefty $1,500. But again, Meta has been positioning it more as a professional tool, not something that's meant to attract gamers and hobbyists. Now, some early reviews of the Quest Pro were pretty critical of it, Um, not really praising it so much. And in a curious move, Mark Zuckerberg and Meta seem to kind of acknowledge that the Quest Pro isn't, you know, really very good yet. Instead, the messaging is more like the Quest Pro is an early model and that something a bit more practical will have to wait for a few iterations down the road, like maybe the Quest 4 or the Quest 5, which, I mean, that's that's a weird message to send out to potential customers, right? I mean, it could be the truth, which you know, great for them being transparent about it, but it's weird to tell people, hey, yeah, this one kind of stinks, but it's putting us on the path to where we want to be, and hey, you want to buy one for 1,500 smackaroos? Now, The Verge's review of the Quest Pro was 
fairly critical. Uh, Addie Robertson doesn't mince words and says, quote, the problem is the Quest Pro isn't very good. It's a device seemingly launched without plan or purpose, highlighting VR's persistent drawbacks without making good use of its strengths and topped off with some irredeemably bad software. Yikes. And y'all, if I'm honest, it's really hard to convince me that VR has a real place in most business settings. I can definitely see it for some use cases. For example, if you wanted to show off a three-dimensional virtual model of a product, VR or AR could come in really handy. If you could make real-time tweaks and changes to this model while people are looking at it and giving you feedback, that could be really valuable. It could potentially speed up the design process considerably. It would be even faster than 3D printing, which has revolutionize the speed of developing new products in lots of different industries. But for any businesses that aren't in product design, it's harder to sell the idea of VR to me. Like, I don't really like the idea of having to put on a VR headset in order to attend a virtual meeting. I mean, I don't even like having my camera or my microphone on for most virtual meetings unless I'm presenting something or I'm asking a question. And it's super hard to imagine VR helping out when, I don't know, when you're talking about a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint presentation. I'm not sure there's any added value to what you could already do with just various virtual meeting software suites that work on regular old computer screens. Now, I assume Meta's goal was to start getting businesses on board with the idea of adopting metaverse technologies and concepts. I'm not sure the company has been successful in doing that. Perhaps it's just too early to kind of make Meta's sales pitch for VR. And with that comes a danger that going so hard, so early, and so publicly that Meta could be shooting itself in the foot. Because again, we've seen it happen in the 90s when people got uh, unenthusiastic about VR because they saw the limitations. If you push VR too hard before it's capable of doing the things you want it to do, you run the danger of repeating that all over again. All right, so to put a pin on where Meta is so far, I figure we can look at it this way. At one point in 2022, Mark Zuckerberg's personal net worth fell $104 billion from where he started out at the beginning of the year. He went from being the third wealthiest person in the world to the 29th. But I mean, he still made the cut, right? I didn't. But yeah, that's still, that is a massive drop. Now, to be clear, since that time, Meta has rallied a little bit because it was at its lowest when it dropped below $90 a share and a lot of Zuckerberg's wealth is tied up in shares of his company. But since then, we're now, like I said, around $117. So it's a little better than what it was at its lowest. And I'm not sure where Mark Zuckerberg ranks in the list at this point. Plus, you know, we have other complications, right? Because Elon Musk was the wealthiest person in the world. But his value's kind of taken a nosedive because Tesla shares have been dropping. And I don't know, maybe we're going to see 2023 as a race to the billionaire bottom. And uh, I, I will spring for popcorn if that happens. Before I wrap up this episode, I want to talk just for a short bit about a couple of other companies that had a rough time in 2022. 
And a really big one in that category is Netflix. And you could argue that Netflix's struggles have had a massive ripple effect on streaming in general. So we go back to April of this year. Netflix holds an earnings call and the company reveals that for the first time in its history, it had lost more subscribers over the previous quarter than it had added. There were 200,000 fewer Netflix subscribers. And boy, howdy, did that set off an investor panic. The company's stock price, which had been at around $600 a share at the beginning of 2022, dropped down to around $200 a share in the wake of that earnings call. So Netflix's value took an enormous hit. Over the last year, the company had a low point of $162 per share. So that's where it kind of bottomed out. It has since recovered quite a bit. It's now just a little bit below $300 a share. Still not where it was at the beginning of this year, but at least it looks as though it's pulling out of a nosedive. Now, Netflix's investors were showing a lot of concern, and you can kind of understand why when you start to really critically think about the streaming content business. So to attract subscribers, you need content, right? You need good content. Netflix initially built up its domination in the space largely by featuring content that was created by other studios. But gradually, the power players in the entertainment industry started to get worried about Netflix and started to withhold deals of some of its most like popular IP. So Netflix is finding it more and more challenging to land contracts that give it access to the types of stuff people actually want to see. So then Netflix starts to make its own content and it starts making some premium prestige content. And of course, this started several years ago, but now people know about it. People know that Netflix makes tons of content of its own and it really became a production company, not just a distribution company. Well, Here's the thing, producing good stuff, or at least good looking stuff, the, the content itself might not be good, but it's expensive. Netflix produced a lot of it. So there have been some questions about whether the amount of money Netflix has spent on producing content makes sense. Because if your business strategy revolves mostly around adding more subscribers, you eventually hit a point where you really aren't going to be adding many more folks because you're meeting market saturation. The cable companies ran into this problem decades ago. Streaming services are running into it now. And of course, there's also way more competition in the space, right? Because now everybody has a streaming service. So Netflix, in the wake of this, starts to cut costs. Entire departments were gutted. Just take a look at the number of animated projects that got the axe at Netflix over the last year. The company also laid off employees. Uh, it announced plans for a couple of new types of subscriptions, one that lets existing accounts add additional households for a few dollars extra per month. And this was an effort to crack down on people who were sharing their Netflix login credentials with friends and family who, you know, aren't actually part of the same household. The company also announced plans for an ad-supported tier of service that would have a reduced subscription cost so people who either didn't want to or couldn't afford the full subscription cost could go at a lower tier uh, and just endure ads and not have access to all the content that's otherwise available on Netflix. 
Now, over the course of 2022, Netflix was actually able to reverse the trend of losing subscribers. And it was kind of a trend for Netflix because by the second quarter, they were down almost a million. But they were able to reverse that over the last half of the year. And they even beat out projections in the process. They added more people than they even predicted. Right now, for Netflix, things are in a better place than they were in April after that earnings call. But across streaming in general, we're seeing companies struggle with this problem of how do you produce content that attracts customers and keeps the existing ones happy while you also are able to do it in a way that makes a profit? And it's complicated, and it's made more complicated because it's harder to ascribe numbers to this stuff. Did someone subscribe to your service just to access a specific piece of content? Or did they happen to access that specific piece of content because they already subscribed to your service? This isn't like the movies where box office is a pretty decent indication about whether a film is resonating with audiences or not. We've also seen another company struggle with this over the second half of 2022. We'll close out with this. That would be Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, Warner Brothers Discovery was not struggling with any problems in the first half of 2022 because it didn't exist yet. AT&T spun off Warner Media and Discovery merged with Warner Media in April of this year and thus formed Warner Brothers Discovery. Of course, we knew this was going to happen because it was announced last year, but it was this year when it finally concluded. And David Zaslov, the head of Discovery, became the head of the newly merged company and started making some serious changes. Now, y'all, at one point when I was recording tech stuff back in the day, it was part of Discovery Communications. Discovery Communications was daddy uh, to tech stuff and to all the other How Stuff Works podcasts back in the day. Uh, and it was led by da Mr. David Zaslov at the time. And I'm pretty comfortable saying that nothing he has done since taking charge of Warner Brothers Discovery has surprised me. That includes him uh, axing the Batgirl film, which was almost finished, and then writing it off for tax purposes. Didn't surprise me even in the slightest. Didn't even surprise me when he started doing things like having Westworld pulled off of HBO Max. Not just canceled, but pulled from the service. Uh, didn't surprise me when he shook up the leadership over at DC. He still has to cut billions of dollars of debt from this merged company, so nothing he's going to do is really going to surprise me. We are not out of the woods by far with the changes for Warner Brothers Discovery. But Zaslav has said the streaming business is a tough one. He's coming at it from the cable business, which similarly has become really tough as it's hit saturation. So to make financial sense out of streaming is challenging and changes have to happen. You can't just go on producing super high-end content for streaming without some other way to monetize it or else you'll eventually go out of business. And I think he's right. I think Zaslov's on the right path here in the sense that you've got to figure out a way to make this make financial sense or else you'll ultimately produce yourself out of business. You'll, you'll spend too much money, you'll overextend yourself, and you'll collapse. I do think... Zaslov is taking a much more brutal approach than what I or a lot of other folks would like to see, especially fans and creators. Uh, but I do think this reckoning was a long time coming. It was just a matter of when and who was going to launch it. And we're starting to see it play out across other streaming services as well. Anyway, 
I'm sure we'll talk more about Warner Brothers Discovery in 2023, as well as other streaming companies and how they navigate waters uh, moving forward. But really, I think Netflix's bad April of 2022 was kind of the 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 bit that got the snowball rolling down the hill. Okay, that's it for this episode. We will continue our look back on 2022 in the next one. Hope you're all well. Please reach out if you have suggestions for topics you would like me to cover, things to look forward to in 2023. You can do that on the iHeartRadio app. Just download the app. It's free to use, free to download, navigate to tech stuff. Use that little microphone icon. You can leave me a voice message up to 30 seconds in length or reach out to me on Twitter. The handle for the show is techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.